You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network. You're listening to episode 304 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Alexei Chernov is a Ruby on Rails consultant at Jet Thoughts. Over the years, he has built MVPs for several products and helped fast-growing products to improve their legacy code, scale up the remote team, and achieve an effective development process. He is a strong supporter of TDD and code simplicity. It's great to have you on the podcast today, Alexi. Thanks for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here today. Fabulous. Alexi, what is your developer origin story? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I feel like my story is uh, rather boring <laughs> because I think uh, I always knew that I would like to be involved uh, in the tech field, preferably uh, in software development. And uh, it started when I was studying systems programming uh, in a university. Uh, and uh, my first programming languages were Pascal, C, and Assembler. Uh, and it was the third year of my studies uh, when I started learning web development. Uh, along with my friends from university, I joined a small company where we worked on web applications. And uh, I was really excited about that. And um, at, at some point, I realized that I'd love to continue uh, fulfilling myself in that field. And uh, this path uh, eventually led me to Jet Thoughts, where I've been working for the last five years. And uh, my default tech stack is uh, Ruby on Rails and JavaScript. Uh, usually it's uh, either React or Vue.js. Uh, I also have small experience with Python and uh, once I've worked with a .NET application. And besides that, uh, in my free time, I enjoy trying new technologies in my pet projects just to discover some new things and keep myself up to date. What is your specific experience with Ruby on Rails? Do you remember what version it was whenever you started using it? Uh, yeah, I got acquainted with Rails on one of my first jobs. Uh, there was a requirement of uh, moving the application from PHP to Ruby on Rails stack. And uh, if I remember it correctly, it was Rails version 2 that we used there. And uh, my, my first impression was like, wow, you can build up an app so fast with Rails. And I think I can say that I fell in love with Ruby and Rails back then. And uh, since then, I've been working with Rails on a regular basis. It makes it uh, seven years in total up to this moment. That's fantastic, and we're lucky to have you in the community. So as a new thing, I also want to start filling in listeners as to how I'm getting guests onto the podcast. And the reason this happened is because I saw several open source starter kits, uh, specifically for Vue.js and Rails, being published by Jet Thoughts. And so I reached out to Jet Thoughts and spoke with Paul, and he recommended bringing Alexi onto the podcast. So Alexi, can you tell me about what Jet Thoughts is and what you do? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Jet Thoughts is a web and mobile development company with more than 10 years of experience in uh, Ruby on Rails consulting. Uh, our tech stack is Ruby on Rails and JavaScript, and we use React Native for mobile development. 
Uh, we have developers who've contributed to Rails, Golang, Bundler, and other tools that we use on a daily basis. Uh, usually we work with small and uh, mid-sized startups and uh, we provide them with screened uh, senior developers to extend their team. Um, we prefer to have long-term engagement with companies, so we don't usually take a lot of projects simultaneously. And one, one of the things that I really like about Jet Thoughts is that one of its key principles is to have a clear and transparent uh, development process. We always try to keep the product owner in the loop with regular updates and we also regularly ask him for feedback. And uh, also JetSots has a huge expertise in setting up uh, development flow in remote uh, distributed teams. We have helped, uh, helped uh, startups to reach Series C round and to scale up the product development successfully. And for, for one of the last fast-growing projects we were working on, uh, we have increased the development team from 5 to 20 people. And actually that was an interesting experience because we had to deal with a legacy application which had a lot of problems and technical depths. How many developers total work at JetThoughts? Uh, it's about 15 developers for now, located in Lviv, Ukraine, but the team is uh, working re remotely. So uh, we do not have an office and we keep communicating remotely within the team. Oh, awesome. So let's dive into the topic of why I brought you onto the show today, and that is legacy code. So I imagine a lot of us have different definitions of what legacy code is, but I'd love to hear yours, Alexi. Yeah, that's true that there are a lot of definitions of it. Um, first of all, I'd like to say that legacy code is not the code that is old or outdated, but rather that is written without testing strategy in mind. Uh, uh, the definition is rather blurry, but essentially we can say that legacy code uh, is the code without tests and at the same time that is very hard to test. That makes a lot of sense. So do you have any tips, maybe specifically around Ruby on Rails, on how we can improve an existing legacy code base? Yeah, this can be a hell of a work. <laughs> it's uh, hard, but I think it's possible if done iteratively, going carefully step by step. Uh, we can imagine that our application with legacy code is like a person that is sick. Uh, like a sick person, the application is still able to work, but is much less effective than usual. And uh, like a human's body fighting with the disease, we need to do two main things. Stop uh, this disease from spreading and start proper treatment. And I hope uh, listeners forgive me for such a simplification of human's body functions. Uh, so to stop the spreading of the legacy code, uh, first of all, we need to to admit that problem exists, we need to acknowledge that. And uh, we need to talk to the team and ask everyone to stop pushing new code without testing it first. Uh, it also can be tempting to try and say to product owners that we need to stop feature development until we do the refactoring. But uh, unfortunately, this doesn't work. Uh, stakeholders are not usually too happy about the fact that 
development team is not working on features. Uh, so to continue uh, as treatment, we need to actually try to increase the test coverage and simplify the process of, of running tests. Uh, at this step, uh, it's usually hard to add unit tests. So I would start with writing system of feature tests because they're easier to add, uh, although they're hard to, to support. Uh, but I think uh, it's still the best approach in the beginning and uh, eventually when we're more confident and the code is more predictable, uh, we can switch to unit test instead. Uh, if we have problems in the existing test suite, we need to fix it. Uh, the most common problems is that tests are dependent on external factors. They can call some uh, external APIs, uh, services, uh, in, in other words, they are interacting with the outside world. Uh, to fix that, we can use Cassett's approach, like VCR, to save the results of such calls and uh, reuse it, replay it in the future. And we can disable uh, net connection with something like uh, WebMock and uh, fake our external requests. Uh, another thing is that test can be time order related, uh, which is which is very annoying, and this should be investigated and fixed too. And overall, uh, I think the main goal is to have isolated, determined tests, to have some solid ground in a form of stable master branch to continue the development. That is all really good advice. And because of all of your advice, I actually have a couple of follow-up questions. Was it a hard conversation that you needed to have with all the stakeholders that you couldn't move forward without setting some tests first? Yeah, it was. Uh, I think such code to appear in the application uh, lies in the process of development. It can, it can be the absence of code review that allowed some code to be pushed uh, without tests. And it can be that the development team is being constantly pushed by product owners to deliver things faster. And this all can lead to a situation when developers are given the estimates based uh, on what clients want to hear. And it's masking the problem and making situation even worse. It can easily snowball to, to a disaster. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a huge problem and unfortunately it's relevant because uh, personally from my experience I've seen a lot of applications with different stages of that problem. Have you ever been hired into a company where you mentioned that you come in there and it's a legacy code base that needs a lot of work and you've basically been hired, Jet Thoughts comes in and you tell everyone that you have to cease development immediately and not produce new features. Have you ever gotten pushback from stakeholders on that? Uh, yeah. There was a situation when uh, we, have, we had a lot of uh, bugs existing box when we joined the project and uh, we our first intention was like to to tell them to stop feature development but uh, as you said we were pushed back on that so we we tried to to do it uh, to do some some of the both 
we did feature development with uh, uh, with the new code being completely tested and if if that new code was somehow related uh, to some other code that was not tested we we added the test for for it too you've just signed on a new client with a large rails legacy code base you know you have the code in front of you where is the first place you look uh, yeah so the first thing I look for when I work with such a project is tests and uh, I obviously I I try try to run uh, to run the application locally and uh, to run tests and check the test coverage uh, Usually low test coverage is the key symptom that I'm dealing with the legacy app. And this is often accompanied with complicated logic, code duplication, and some other code smells. Uh, For me, I like to look at the gem file just to see how many external dependencies uh, the application is relying on. I also like to look at the routes file because a very unwieldy routes file usually points to some possibly poorly written code or old code that hasn't been compressed down using new Rails features. Yeah, that is true. And unfortunately, when I check the code uh, coverage, and if it's high enough, for example, higher than 90% of the code is covered, uh, then uh, it's not enough to say that the code base is healthy, right? So, but... but uh, on the other hand, if it's lower than some amount, let's say lower than 50%, uh, then we can definitely say that there is some problems there. So if you're starting a brand new application, which I don't know, does JetThoughts ever get brand new applications as clients? What is the, what's the tech stack that you reach for? Uh, this is a good question. Yeah, we did uh, a lot of uh, applications from scratch. And uh, first of all, I think for a brand new application, uh, my goal is to make uh, a walking skeleton of the app as quickly as possible. Usually two weeks are enough for this. And uh, a walking skeleton is just a tiny implementation of the system uh, that performs a small end-to-end -end function, like imp implementing a basic user journey from start to end. And uh, so I, I usually do that with, of course, integrating all services required for development uh, and running the application. And having this in place allows business to test its idea quickly. Uh, and uh, startups' initial ideas and goals tend to change a bit, uh, not a bit, but uh, a lot during development. So from my experience, uh, the best approach for building such MVP is using Rails with server-side rendering. Uh, Rails uh, always was a good tool for this, and I, I don't think this situation has changed. And regarding server-side rendering, I believe that it's just easier and faster to build a well-tested application without technical depths when using server-side rendering compared to a uh, single-page application approach. Uh, SPAs are harder to test and are more complex to maintain. Uh, also, I'd, I'd use some material design UX frameworks and something like Bootstrap Tailwind for making UI to speed things up. Uh, 
However, uh, I can consider doing single-page application approach with React or Vue.js if uh, the application should have a lot of interactivity in it. And uh, that interactive part uh, should be the main thing that brings value from a business standpoint. Then I think uh, doing SPA makes sense. And of course, I'd use test-driven development and uh, other practices from our process because I do not want my brand new application to become a legacy application from the previous question. And in just thoughts, uh, our process is based on Kanban. Uh, the core principles of it are useful when working on any product, but we can say that they are especially important when dealing with legacy apps. Uh, we use test-driven development and continuous deployment. Uh, we use code review for cross-checking and knowledge sharing. We usually split our tasks into smaller ones, which can be completed and merged to master within two days. And obviously master should always be green and valid. I completely agree with that as well. I think master is almost a sacred branch and that should always point to production unless you have a production specific branch. So Alexi, as someone who's been working in Ruby and Rails for the past seven years, and as someone who regularly goes into legacy code bases and starts new applications, what are your thoughts on the Ruby and Rails community's future? I, I must admit that I don't have a strong opinion on this, but uh, overall, I don't expect uh, Rails community to significantly shrink or grow in the near future. I think uh, we can see some changes when Ruby 3 will be released. Uh, and I've, I'm also skeptical about this statement that Ruby is dead or Rails is dead. Uh, so to summarize it, I, I, I do not expect uh, Rails community to, to grow or become smaller in the future. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts. So how can listeners follow you and JetThoughts? Well, uh, I don't do social media, so you can reach me only through JetThoughts. And uh, if you're looking for more information, you can check our blog at uh, jtway.co or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash JetThoughts. Awesome. I will link all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for guesting with me today, Alexi. Listeners, if you are into camping, be sure to tune in next week.